Amen. Thanks, kids. That was great. Amen. Of course, I want to welcome those online. I keep forgetting that this time we're broadcasting. You know, I remember how I first felt when I came to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm sure that it was a similar experience to those of you who just came to a knowledge of Jesus Christ and who he was, depending on your background. And you were excited. I know in those days we were like on fire. We were crazy, happy, and jumping, and carrying on for Jesus. I know some of you, I didn't, but some of us were wearing Jesus Freaks t-shirts. I mean, we just were crazy. But as time goes on, I think you'll all agree, your, your attention becomes lukewarm. Your passion simmers down. And that's why a song to open up our worship service that's, that tells us that to, to bring us back to the heart of worship. We have so many things that we consider to worship. We have so many ways that we worship and we think that they're all right. But the focus is on something other than exclusively Jesus. And that's when you know that you are not on track. Whatever you do, whatever you want to call it worship, it does not become worship unless you are focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I had mentioned a few weeks back that I was listening to this video on YouTube of the various languages that were being sung on Amazing Grace. And it was just, they were just streaming all these different cultures and languages, all singing Amazing Grace. You couldn't understand them, of course, but you could see the, the captions on the bottom. And it just brought to it, it just distinct clarity that we are an awesome body of Christ. I called Kathy and I said, let's, let's take a look at this again. Because we couldn't get through that understanding the awesomeness of what we were seeing without a tear. And so this morning we're singing that we're going to see celebration and worship that every tribe and every nation is going to gather together and they're going to sound like a grateful choir. And why shouldn't they be grateful? Because of everything that's been given to them, all based on the price paid by our Lord Jesus Christ. And in celebration of all that, we we sing that all of God's children are singing, glory, glory, hallelujah, he reigns. And you know, in the flesh, because this is where we are now, you can kind of feel a tugging of uh, just an exuberance, a celebration in your spirit. And you can only imagine what it's going to be like when we are raptured, when we are on the other side, because not only we'll be celebrating in the flesh, because we're beyond that, we will be celebrating He reigns as glorified bodies. I can't imagine. I can't imagine the ecstasy that we'll all be feeling forever, without end. It's amazing. You know, we're, we're singing, open up my heart and let my spirit worship yours. You know, we need God's help right now to open up our hearts. We can open up our hearts ourselves, and we're invited to do that, but we still need God's help to open up our hearts. I think when we get to heaven, our hearts will just be open, open that we just cannot consume how our spirit is worshiping with his spirit. Think about that song, I can only imagine. Well, 
I'm telling you, I can only imagine. So, I guess I should get started by saying good morning to those of you who are here. Thank God you're here. Praise uh, those that are on, online with us as well. It is so good to gather with people face to face. And I know and I support those who are not coming because of medical reasons. And I'm getting the signal, but I, I haven't forgotten. Um, now I forgot what I was saying. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I know that there are individuals who, because of pre-existing conditions and age and what have you, really can't come. You have to be safe. You have to be cautious. In time, we will have you in our midst. I look forward to that. But if you are staying away, I'm addressing the online people, if you're staying away from fear, that source is not God. Fear is not from God. Amen. Good judgment, wise decisions. Let the Spirit speak to you. He'll say, stay away. Caution is okay. Love your brothers and sisters. Do not expose them. Thank you, Jesus. But not fear. Okay? Now, to respond to this. <laughs> Super Church. Is that it, Bob? We have, we have Super Church this morning, so uh, if you're between 4 and 10, 5 and 10, it's mostly if you are in preschool, I suppose, that really is the, the key, but between 4 and 10, follow the uh, preschool, uh, the uh, Super Church person in the back. For those kids that are leaving, your parents will pick you up, actually this is for the parents, they will be gathering to the outside of the fellowship hall, just to the right of the playground. Did I get that right? And anyway, we walk around the building, follow the clamor, and if you see someone you know, pick them up. <laughs> Amen. Hurry, you'll miss class. Amen. Well, my title this morning is The Close and Personal Worship of God. My text is Psalm 100, verses 1 through 5. That's all there is in that psalm. It's there for your easy reference, that outline, and for your note-taking. Um, pray with me as I look to Psalm 19, 14, as I always do asking for an anointing on my words, God's message. Father, we thank you this morning. And let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen? Amen. You know, what I'm about to say to you, I want to make sure that I'm not misunderstood. I'm not a name dropper, and I don't particularly like name droppers. But during the course of my life, I have gotten to meet many people, many that I consider to be famous from the standpoint that they are well known. But like most of you, I have a few people that I have always wanted to meet or hope to one day meet, not because I'm starstruck, or want to take a selfie with a celebrity to post on the internet, 
No, I, I, I want to meet certain people just to see what they're like when they get away from the media and they get away from the cameras. I want to meet them because I have a genuine interest in people, and to some degree, I want to see how they hold up to their reputations and how they act in real life. Now, of all the people I want to meet, the person that I'm about to name has one of the toughest, greediest, and no-nonsense reputations in the world, and he is instantly recognizable. I want to meet Chuck Norris. <laughs> now, many of you know Chuck Norris from his action films. Movies like Delta Force put him on the map. Others of you know him from Walker, Texas Ranger, which is one of the longest-running television shows in TV history. But what some of you may not know is that Chuck Norris was a Hollywood star, and before that, he was a famous martial artist. He was a six-time undefeated world professional middleweight karate champion. And he was the first human being in the Western Hemisphere to earn an eighth-degree black belt in Taekwondo. And even at 80 years of age, Chuck Norris can still kick your butt. <laughs> can I say that? He is one tough dude. I discovered some interesting facts about Chuck Norris that tells you just how tough he is. Did you know that fear of spiders is called arachnophobia? Fear of tight spaces is called claustrophobia? Fear of Chuck Norris is called logic. <laughs> Chuck Norris has a grizzly bear carpet in his living room. The bear is not dead. He's just afraid to get up. <laughs> and Chuck Norris has already been to Mars. That's why there are no signs of life there. <laughs> this is interesting, that Chuck Norris and Superman once fought each other on a bet. The loser had to start wearing his underwear outside his pants. <laughs> And Chuck Norris has counted to infinity twice. When the boogeyman goes to sleep at night, he checks his closet and under the bed for Chuck Norris. <laughs> Did you know that Chuck Norris could drown a fish? <laughs> when Chuck Norris does a push-up, he isn't lifting himself up. He's pushing the earth down. <laughs> and there is no theory of evolution, just a list of creatures that Chuck Norris has allowed to live. <laughs> well, now in addition to having never met Chuck Norris, I've never had the opportunity to meet an earthly king. And there are several good reasons for that. Number one, I can't get an appointment with one. Because, number two, I don't know any. And number three, even if I did and I could, I wouldn't know how to act or what to say. And you may be sitting out there saying, well, I've never had a chance to meet anybody famous at all. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, I beg to differ. 
It never ceases to amaze me that at any time, day or night, you have a standing invitation to walk into the very throne room of the king of all kings. The king who created and runs this universe. You can go in any time you want. You don't have to have an appointment. You don't have to have a reservation. You don't have to have political connections. You don't have to have tons of money. And it is even better. It is not only you that wants to meet with this king, but that king wants to meet with you. He wants to meet with you so much that he has given you the keys to the door and even tells you how to act and what to say when you walk in. You don't have to be nervous. You don't have to be fearful. See, you and I can get up close and personal with the God of the universe. We need to understand that God is not just a powerful God, but he is a personal God. And he wants to have a relationship with us, a relationship that is spiritual, emotional, eternal, and yes, personal. Anytime you enter into the presence of this king, there are protocols to follow. There are certain keys that open doors into the presence of the king of this universe. And we're going to find those today in one of the most beautiful songs that has ever been written. No doubt in worship music today, it would be number one on the charts. It is found in the book of hymns in the Old Testament, which you know as the book of Psalms. Psalms were songs that the people of Israel would sing. Psalm 100 is a beautiful song that describes how to get up close and personal with God at any time and at any place. When you come into the God's presence the right way, with the right heart and the right spirit, you get up close and personal every single time. And the psalmist tells us five simple things to do that will ensure an audience with the king Anytime we desire. We open doors into the presence of God by first worshiping God joyfully. Our text, Psalm 100, verse 1, states, Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. This psalm is all about worship because worship is the primary way you can really get up close and personal with God. In fact, worship is so vitally important to God that the first four of the Ten Commandments deal exclusively with worship. And no book in the Bible talks more about worship than the book of Psalms. And no psalm talks more about worship than the hundredth psalm. So get ready. Because the worship we find here is far different than the worship that takes place in most churches. The psalmist does us a favor. He shows us what worship ought to look like on the outside. What he says should revolutionize the way we come into God's presence at any time. Whether it's on church, in church on Sunday or in our quiet time on Monday. He says... Real worship always involves shouting, serving, and singing. And the word shout in verse 1 literally means 
a sound that splits the ear. I don't think the psalmist was saying we ought to come to church and scream or yell or act like a nut. What the psalmist was talking about here was energy and enthusiasm and excitement. In the book of the Revelation, John saw worship going on in heaven, and it was some kind of worship. Without exception, it is exciting, expressive, emotional, and enthusiastic. See, I don't think our problem with worship, either publicly or privately, is that we show too much emotion. I don't think we show enough. No, we shouldn't act like a bunch of fanatics. But I do agree. It's a lot easier to cool down a fanatic than it is to heat up a corpse. When I view a lot of churches, it's not that the worship service has too much energy, but it has no energy. May I tell you why I believe that is? I think too often, particularly in our public worship, we walk in and we are real conscious of who is standing around us. We look in front of us. We check behind us. And what I'm saying is, I think we ought to stop thinking about what other people might think about us and more important, about what God thinks about us. It might change the way you worship. When we come into the presence of God, he ought to know by the way we act and the way we look that we are glad to see him. The second way that we get up close and personal with God is serving God gladly. Our text, Psalm 100, verse 2 states, Serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. I know some of you are sitting there saying, Wait a minute. I thought we were talking about worship. Where does service come in? The more up close and personal you get with God, the more you want to serve God. The more you want to have God use you, and the more you want God to be blessed by what you can offer Him. Service is a part of worship. And one of the ways you worship God is by serving. You haven't really worshipped God until you're involved in serving God. And God is not interested in people just doing a job. He wants you to serve him with gladness. The closer you get to God, the more happy you are to serve, and the more your service makes you happy. When you begin to see your service as an act of worship, and when you begin to see what God will do, you what you're doing for God as an act of, worship, of gratitude, an act of gratitude for what he has done for you, you will no longer see service as a duty, but it will be a delight. It won't be a job. It will be a ministry. Serving God is completely and totally different from serving anyone else. Why do you think the Lord tells us to serve him with gladness? Well, there's a reason for this. Look at Acts 17, 25, and that says... Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. We serve, we are to serve God with gladness. 
Because when we serve him, we're not bearing the burden of meeting his needs. We are rejoicing in a service where he meets our needs. God doesn't need us serving him to make him happy. We need to serve God to make us happy. That is another key that opens the door. The third way we open the door is knowing God personally. Our text, Psalm 100, verse 3. Know that the Lord himself is God. Know that the Lord himself is God. You might think this is redundant, but it really isn't. Because, as I said in the previous sermon, in order to worship God correctly, you've got to worship the right God. And you are far better off worshiping the right God, even if you do it poorly, than you are to worship the wrong God, even if you do it magnificently. First, the Hebrew word here, verse 3, for know, does not mean to know intellectually, it means to know by experience. The psalmist here is not talking about a head knowledge, but he's talking about a heart knowledge. You cannot worship God correctly until you know God personally. And the psalmist tells us who this God is. Listen to it again. Psalm 100, verse 3. Know that the Lord himself is God. You've got to know there is only one God, and that God is the Lord. That may sound simple. It may even sound trite. But believe it or not, that one sentence summarizes what the entire Bible is all about. Do you know why the Bible was written? I can tell you in one sentence. So that you and I might know that the Lord himself is God and that God himself is the Lord. That is how the Old Testament and the New Testament come together. Let me explain. Listen. The foundational truth of the Old Testament is that the Lord is God. The foundational truth of the New Testament is that Jesus Christ is Lord. Therefore, the foundational truth of the Bible is that Jesus Christ is God. You cannot worship God until you know and understand this. There's only one God and one Lord, and his name is Jesus. The fourth key to opening the doors and getting up close and personal with God is thanking God humbly. All I have talked about so far has gotten us to the entrance. But before you can get to the king, you've got to go through the gate. And then you've got to get into the court. The key to the gate is gratitude. Our text, Psalm 100, verse 4 Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. We are told, just come on in. Enter his gates. With no ticket, no 
clear as no credentials, but also no griping, no whining, and no complaining. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. There are two keys that will always open the door into God's presence. The first key is thanksgiving. If there are any people on this planet that ought to be thankful, it ought to be the people sitting in this room or online right now. We will eat more food in a week than most people in the world will eat in a month. We will drive air-conditioned automobiles forgetting that billions of people never even own a car. We've got more clothes hanging in our closets than the average person of the world will ever see in their lifetime. We will sleep in a bed when much of the world will sleep on dirt floors. Always enter into his presence with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the music that brightens the face of God. It is the spark that warms the heart of God. It is the love that kisses the hand of God. And I don't care how bad off your situation is. Everyone has something they can always be thankful for. So therefore, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Then there is one other key, and you're guaranteed to be in his presence. And that is five, praising God constantly. We're still in verse four. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. And his courts with praise. And his courts with praise. With thanksgiving you get into the gates, but with praise you get into the court. God wants you to come into his presence, and when you do, before you ask him anything, thank him for what he has done and praise him for who he is. Some of you may know that the Hebrew word for praise is the word halal. It literally means to be excited with great joy. I believe our entire life ought to be a praise chorus. When you think about God, who created you when he didn't have to, who loves you even though you don't deserve it, who sent his son to die for your sins, and even now is creating a final eternal home for you for those who want to go there. How can you not be filled with praise every time you come into his presence? And that is why the last part of Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Now, there is a revolutionary thought. You ready for this? When we get up close and personal with God and we worship, worship him, it's not just so he will bless us, but it is so we will bless him. Why are we to praise him? Why are we to thank him? Why are we to be shouting and serving and singing? Why should we be so enthusiastic in our worship? Why should we make it a point in our life to carry God with us everywhere we go and always live in his presence? Well, the answer is in verse 5, which states, For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. God is good all the time. And all the time, 
God is good. He loves us with an everlasting love that will never quit. He's faithful to us at all times and in all places and never fails to keep his promises. No wonder we ought to want to be up close and personal with this unbelievable, magnificent God. You know, anytime we want to, we can not only enter into his presence, but we can stay there. We can live there. We can take him with us everywhere we go as long as we go with him everywhere he wants to take us. Amen? Service is over. Take Psalm 100 to heart and memory. The king of the universe, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has such a desire to have us with him that he gave us Psalm 100, a simple formula, easy to understand and easy for a child of the king to follow. How special is that? Amen?